0: users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy for Macworld, and some almost uncensored conversation from cutting-edge commentator Peter Cohen. I'll listen more this week when you're on the Tech Night Owl Live. Yeah! Direct from his... A state in the UK. Doesn't everybody have an estate in the UK where they live in the wrong state or something like that? But we have the one, the only Kirk McElhern. He's the iTunes guy and he's here to tell us all about the great things that are happening and the not so great things that are happening. And we'll get into one of those subjects where he actually raises the specter of a mountain lion bug that he discovered, I guess, last year. And Apple hasn't fixed it yet.
1: Hi, Gene how you doing? We'll talk about the mountain lion bug and some other things later today. I don't have an estate. I'm in a flat, as they call them, working on getting the estate, playing the lottery every week. But you know how that works out. Well, we had a
0: $450 million lottery in the US about a week ago. Do you ever have anything like
1: that in Europe? They have a thing called Euro millions and so it's the same sort of principle as in the States where you have lotteries from different states that get together. Here it's different countries that get together. I think the highest prize was something around two hundred million Euros, so let's say two hundred fifty odd million dollars. But it's never gotten as big because there aren't as many countries involved. I think there are only six or eight countries involved, it's not all of the European countries. So it's not as big as the what is it, the Powerball in the States? It's the Powerball. I actually
0: entered Figuring, I don't know, a $10 investment, what could I lose? $10. Is it that much? $10? No, it's $2 each. Ah, okay. So I got five numbers, and I had the machine pick it out for me. I don't think there's any greater chance of winning if you have the computer pick the numbers as opposed to you picking the numbers.
1: I don't know. That's the way I do it, too, because I just don't, like, have these numbers that are burned into my mind that I would think of for a lottery, in a way, you're maybe compounding the randomness, because on the one hand, the numbers are drawn at random, and at the the other hand, they're picked at random for you. So, I don't know. I think the odds of winning are close to that of being hit by lightning, and I wouldn't mind doing it. I don't count on it, but, you know, it's fun.
0: Hey, one day you'll win $250 million, and then maybe you'll still talk to us.
1: Oh, I certainly will still talk to you, Gene. There might be people I w- wouldn't want to talk to, but... You know, I'm not greedy. I wouldn't need that. A million would be fine. It would mean that I could buy a nice house and have enough money to retire on. So,
0: What's retirement? I think my father didn't live as long because he had to retire.
1: Well, that's a good point. You know, given the work that you and I do, would you really want to retire? I don't think so. I'd want to keep doing things. You want to keep the mind working. You want to keep active. You don't want to sit in front of a TV or a computer screen, aren't they? So I'm, I'm certainly not planning on retiring anytime soon. Okay, story you did
0: was about a year ago. Bug in Mountain Lion Mail still sends replies using incorrect accounts. Now, explain to our listeners what this means.
1: Well, first of all, many people only have a single email account. That's not the case for me, probably for you. I have, I don't know, a half a dozen for different reasons. If you have multiple accounts, there's a bug in Mountain Lion's mail, and this was there. And, and as you mentioned, I found this a year ago, and I wrote about it in my blog, and I reposted the article because I, it's still there, and it's still a problem. So if you have multiple accounts, and if you have email that's filtered into a folder, okay, so I have rules for mailing lists. If it's this mailing list it goes into this folder, then when you reply from Mountain Lion, it won't reply to the account that it was addressed to. Now, well, that's only when you set a default No, no, address. no. The default is only for new messages. When you go into the composing preferences in mail, there's a menu where it says send new messages from, and that's the default. See, if I get a message to my second or third or fourth email account in my inbox and I reply, it goes out through the same account. But if messages get filtered into a folder, they don't, whereas they should.
0: Okay, so the thing is here is when they're separated from their normal folder, the inbox. Things go awry. Now does this central folder mix email from different addresses or is it only for one address? Um it has different addresses, yeah. Okay, maybe that's where it gets confused because I'm thinking But here, it should
1: it should be the message itself.
0: Was it right, addressed? You're right. But I'm saying to you is if this folder is collecting email from multiple addresses Maybe that's what triggers the bug, whereas if it's always in one address, maybe it wouldn't happen. That's entirely possible.
1: But I've just noticed that every time I reply to a message that goes into a folder, I have to check which address it's, it's using. A, a number of people mentioned this on the Apple forums last year, shortly after Mountain Lion came out. So this isn't just something that's hit me. Before I wrote about it last year, I did some research and found that a lot of people were having problems. Some of them are having problems in different situations. Mine was filtering into folders, and others apparently, even when it's in their inbox, have problems. So it's it's not very clear exactly what's going on. Okay, so is this something that you've written to Apple about? Um, I filed a bug report last year, but... I think it was probably got a reply that it was already a duplicate, and I never heard back from them.
0: Well, this is one of the problems also when you find bugs. Obviously, they're going to prioritize the various problems. So maybe something is a Class A bug. I'm not using any Apple label here. I'm just making it up. There's a Class A bug which will cause you to lose data or cause crashes. There's a Class B bug that may be more cosmetic or a moderate irritant will occasionally cause a crash a c bug is just annoying and maybe this is a class
1: d bug i don't know well they actually do classify them like that they all. you the see first, i just made it up and i was right no, but it's it's true the the most important are bugs that cause crashes obviously and that's the things that need to get addressed first i think actually the second most important are things like typos in user interfaces because they're simply embarrassing and then after that, I don't know how they do the triage of other types of bugs, but it's obvious that a crashing bug is something they're going to deal with as soon as possible. And other ones, you know, they'll get around to them, maybe. But this isn't the first, you know, we see lots of bugs in every app and every operating system. Um, it's not the first time that Apple's delayed fixing something or just not worried about fixing something. I mean, we're, we're nearing the release of OS X 10.9 Mavericks. What a mouthful. So, I don't know. Is the bug fixed in mail in Mavericks? Maybe not. Maybe. And you have no access to the Mavericks developer beta yet. Well, I do. um, But I'm under a non-disclosure agreement. um, So, I really can't say anything about it. And to be quite honest, I've actually not looked to see if this is fixed. So, um, now that you've said it, I'll check after the show. Well, you know, there's very interesting things here. There's a story
0: here from one of our readers about... Making the user library folder visible under OS 10 Mavericks. Mm-hmm. And he said Apple provided a way to do it without holding down the option key when you go to the Go menu or using a terminal command, and that is to open a finder window with the username on it, and then you get an option if you show view options to display the okay. library folder. Okay. Don't ask me to explain that anymore. No, I understand. So maybe
1: if if it's the the show view options palette, command J, maybe there's an option there to show the the folder, but only when you're viewing the contents of the home folder. Um, I can't check because I have Mavericks installed on an external hard disk that's connected to my laptop, so it would take a couple minutes to boot up. But it's certainly possible, and I certainly hope that they've made access to the library folder a little simpler.
0: Oh, it's almost like then you have to do it on a need-to-know basis. (laughs) You know yeah,
2: what no, I mean by that? You
0: have to know that you have to be selecting your user directory, you know, the right, one that
1: says Kirk right. or Gene so or whatever. The, in the Finder now, you go to the Go menu, you press the Option key, and you see Library without a keyboard shortcut. Um, that you can find at any point. But So what you're talking about here is that you have to go to a specific window, a specific folder, so the user folder, and do a specific thing, most likely, if I'm correct, to get the view options window up, rather than going into the Go menu. So it makes it a lot harder to find it.
0: We have much more to come with Kirk McElhern, Macworld's iTunes guy. I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night Out Live. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online gold If you
3: listen to the radio, watch TV or surf the net, you're hearing about gold. Eventually you will ask yourself, is gold right for me? The answer might surprise you. We protect ourselves and our families from many things. Do you have medical insurance, is your home insured, Do you carry life insurance. How about financial insurance? If you own gold, then the answer is yes. If you don't own gold, the question is why don't you have financial insurance? We put our faith in things we trust. Do you trust the dollar? Do you trust the economy? Do you trust the government? Gold has always been something you can trust. For thousands of years, people have put their faith in gold. Where will you put your faith? Now is the time to protect yourself and your family. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 242. one 686 2237 extension 242. And ask for Jim Parker. Let me help you get started today. extension
4: 242.
5: There are those curious about bitcoins and those using and making money with bitcoins. What are bitcoins? A bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with Bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with Bitcoins, and a growing number of merchants now accept Bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com. Just like it sounds, cloudhashing.com. That's cloudhashing.com. We mine your business.
6: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl live, please send it to news at technightOwl.com. That's news at technightOwl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's
0: forum.technightowl.com. With Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Owl Live, we're talking about something that started out with OS 10 Lion, where you have a folder called Library. You have obviously more than one, but this is located in your user folder. So maybe your user folder has the name Gene, or Kirk, or Ferndock, or whatever, or Fred, or Ethel, or Little Ricky, whatever the heck the name is, (laughs) if you have a library folder in there, which contains application support files, preference files. Now, Apple, in their infinite wisdom, and we have to assume their wisdom is infinite, but we might criticize that from time to time, decided to make the library folder invisible from the naked eye, unless you did a few things such as going to the finder's go menu, holding down option, or going to various terminal commands. And there may be a way to do it in the Mavericks finder, but then we're talking about unofficial comments based on beta versions. So, of course, the final release may eliminate this. But it sounds to me like a need-to-know basis that you will discover this and find that finder window is the one that gives you the secret handshake
1: yeah the thing to know about this so people who don't know what this folder is it contains a lot of stuff i'm looking at mine it's let's see calculating size it's ten and a half gigabytes um it's not an unimportant folder but it contains things that the user doesn't generally need to access it contains, for instance, an iTunes folder, and inside you'll find all of the updates you've downloaded for iPods, iPhones, and iPads. Um, it contains a mail folder, and all of your if you use Apple's mail, all of your email is stored in there. It contains an application support folder. I've got more than two gigabytes of things from different applications, so each application can put things there. Um, it contains a lot of stuff. You generally don't need to access this unless you're troubleshooting. But I disagree because some of the most important data you have on your Mac is your email, and it's in that folder. I think either mail should be moved or the library folder should be visible. Personally, I would rather see the mail folder in documents, so people would be more inclined to back that up.
0: Yes, there are little things like this, little thingies that Apple does that are very irritating, and they never get fixed in subsequent system releases because people don't consider it important. They don't make a big deal of it.
1: Well, this isn't about fixing. It's, a, it's a, a conscious choice of saying that, well, we just don't need to have this visible, and, and I can understand the logic behind it, even if I disagree with it, um, but I think that at least if it's invisible, the mail folder should be someplace else. People should be able to know where their mail is if, it, if they can't get messages, if things get screwed up, because it happens.
0: I guess it's because Apple sees that people make mistakes. They make serious mistakes. And as a result, they call, they complain to Apple, or they run to the Apple store and say, what's this, what's that? And they say, well, just hide it. And then for support purposes, we'll tell them where to find it.
1: Yeah, and a lot of people, a lot of developers have problems with this for support as well. And so they have to explain to people how to get to that folder and where to find things and it's a, just a bit of a hassle. Hey, there you go.
0: So anyway, getting back to your email bug and this is where we started this discussion about Apple bugs and fixes. I hope it's fixed in Mavericks, but you are about the only person out there who's been complaining at least vocally. Obviously, it's impacting a number of people.
1: Well, you're the only I'm the only one you've heard about, but I'm sure that there are a lot of people who've come into this, come across this problem and for whom it's annoying. But again, it has been around for a while and maybe people just, I mean, I've gotten to the habit of knowing that I need to check when I'm sending, when I'm replying to email messages and I shouldn't have to, in my opinion. No, I understand. They need to make it easy. And what have they done? Well, I don't think here it's a question of easy or not. I think it's a question of You know, bugs are a hassle. They really are. Um, There are a lot of them. It's a question of how they're reported. It's a question of... There's gazillions of them, and they've got to prioritize them. As you said earlier, they do a sort of triage, and some things get lost, and they figure, well, it's not that important. We'll get to it, you know, for the next release, and we'll see in the next release if it's fixed.
3: Hmm.
0: Let's move on. There's an article you had in... Mac world, kind of, and we've mentioned it before, but we always have new listeners, kind of trying to help people get around the Apple ID conundrum that Apple hasn't really fixed. Of course, the biggest one is combining two Apple IDs. Now, tell me, what is the problem with that? Why is this something that's always happening?
1: Well, Apple is, uh, Apple has, I'm trying to remember the last figure I read about this. Was it 200 million iTunes accounts or something? Um, A huge number of iTunes accounts, and every iTunes account is linked to an Apple ID, which is an email address. Um, It could be an Apple address, so it could be a .icloud. It could be a .mac. It could be a .me address. And these Apple IDs tend to be things that you get, Stuck with and can't do anything with. Now, it's very likely that there are a number of things going on. So, remember, an Apple ID is first of all what identifies you when you're buying something from Apple, whether it be the iTunes Store or Apple's online store, whether it be iBooks, the Mac App Store, etc. Um, in some of these cases, the Apple ID is used to encrypt what you buy. So, when you buy an app, for instance, or when you buy a video, these are things that you can see on your computer after you've authorized it for that Apple ID. Um, so you may remember the first time you downloaded a video and went to play it, you had to authorize your Mac. You get a, a, a dialog that asks for your Apple ID and the password. And this basically is authorizing the computer with Apple's Um, servers, but it's also using the key, which is your Apple ID, as part of the decryption key, so you can see it. So if you take that video to someone else's computer, they can't see it, unless, of course, you were to log in with your account. Um, So... Everyone has one of these Apple IDs, and a number of problems arise in using them in real life. And I'll just give you two of the most common. um, We'll have time for one this segment, then get into the second one. Well, let's do the the first one. Okay, number one. So two people meet, fall in love, and get married. And let's call them um, Jane and John. Well, Jane has an Apple ID that she's been buying videos and apps on. And John's got an Apple ID that he's been using with his iPhone and his Mac and all that. And the two of them want to share content. Well, you can share content. You can put Jane's content on John's Mac and Jane has to enter her ID and password, but it's a real hassle. Apple should allow people to merge Apple IDs. So a married couple, for example, would be able to use the same content with a single ID instead of using two separate ones. Now, this would either be merging one, using one of the two or making a totally new Apple ID. Now, this is one of the questions, by
0: the way, that financial analysts never ask of Tim Cook during the quarterly call with analysts who are talking about Apple's financials. He's never asked a question about this, about merging Apple IDs. So let's go there. We have Kirk McElhern joining us on Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live.
3: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
9: nutritious food is real body armor it builds muscle burns fat improves digestion and feeds the entire body the nutrients it needs did you know the u.s government banned the hemp plant from growing in the united states and classified it as a schedule one drug to hide it behind the marijuana plant people have been confused about this plant for over 80 years and many still don't know what hemp is so now you know hemp is not marijuana and marijuana is not hemp they are different varieties of the same species HempUSA.org wants the world to know these basic facts and to help people understand that hemp protein powder is the best-kept health secret you need to know about. Remember, hemp protein powder contains 53% protein, is gluten-free, anti-inflammatory, non-GMO, and is loaded with nutrients. Call 888-910-4367, 888-910-4367, and see what our powder, seeds, and oil can do for you only at HempUSA.org.
10: Weakened by GMOs, stressed out about money, and blasted by the electric environment. Hi, I'm Pastor Jenny, and that was the state I was in back in 2010. Then I learned about RNA drops. I learned that 97% of my DNA that scientists have called junk is actually packed with millions of gene switches that play a critical role in controlling how my cells, organs, and other tissues behave. I learned... I don't have to put up with disease decay or decline like I'd been conditioned to believe. I began taking RNA Drops, a 100% natural formula designed to turn on those switches and provide me with amazing health and joy. Learn more about RNA Drops and order a free sample today. Visit RNAFreeSample.com. That's RNAFreeSample.com. Or call toll-free 888-888. Five seven seven three seven zero three. 3703 Pay only shipping and handling for a free 30-day supply of RNA drops. Get the information you need and the health you want at RNAfreesample.com
11: Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next.
0: Kirk McElhern joins us. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. Now, just to put this in perspective, some time back, Tim Cook, in response to an inquiry from someone who had the concern, and this goes back a year or two, saying that, yes, Apple is trying to work something out with regard to this problem with Apple IDs, like the merging or whatever, never did anything. Mm. Is it that difficult?
1: Well, I think... Here's what seems difficult to me. You've got to have some way of confirming that both people are the people they say they are. Now, one way to do this is simply that each of the people has to enter their Apple ID and password. But if you're going to merge an ID, you've got to have – this is irreversible. So you've got to have some way of proving that that person just didn't hack the password or overhear someone's password or, or spot them typing it or something like that would it get to the point where you'd have to send some sort of photo ID and signature? I don't know what would be the solution to this. Look, we already have systems in place. So for example, if you want to get
0: a bank account, you have to verify who you are. You want to get a credit card, you have to verify who you are. So certainly Apple could, I'm just being theoretical here, could say, okay, we need photo IDs. We need something. Send us a marriage license. Send us something that says you are who you say you are. I mean, this well, would obviously, saw...
1: it would have to go through a manual processing. It's not right. something and that this be, would done be This would be somewhat onerous in terms of time and in terms of cost. And it would have to be a system that they would be able to apply in every country of the world. Um, l- let me give you an example. I recently um, had to prove my identity for something that I was doing online. It was an investment here in the UK. And in order to do that, I had to send a photo ID. So in that case, it was my passport and a utility bill to prove my address. But these had to be the the equivalent of notarized. Fortunately, my accountant is just a few blocks from where I live. So I took it there and the accountant was able to notarize them, you know, basically write down that, yes, I certify, I know this person and send them in. Now, Looking at it from the point of view of Apple, who's going to get, let's just be reasonable, a few million requests to merge Apple IDs, Um, it's a lot of work. It really is. And I mentioned the marriage situation. That's one case. But think of all the other cases. Think of people who are living together in civil partnerships. They're not going to necessarily have some sort of paper that proves that they're together. Think of someone, and I get a lot of email about people who had an Apple ID at one point with one address and aren't using the email address anymore, so had to create another one. Um, Some people may have… The only email account they may have had for years was their work account, and they're no longer at their work, and so they still have content tied to this Apple ID. So how do they prove that they had that email address in the past, which they don't anymore, and that they now are using the one that they're using as their Apple ID? It's not a simple problem, but it's a problem that they do need to resolve. Well,
0: I think, in all fairness, what Apple should do is we'll do this, but you have to pay a processing fee. This way they are paid for having people who will do this and say it's going to take two to four weeks to get what accomplished. You have to pay a processing fee because we have to do all this extra work and
1: that's it. I can't see that being acceptable and I'll give you two reasons why. The first is that I, I got an email the other day from someone and I think his problem was that at some point there was a problem with an email address. So Apple made him create another Apple ID. But Apple make- wouldn't let him merge whatever was on the previous right. one. You're not going to make the guy pay 20 or $50 because it's something Apple's technicians did. Apple support Well, in that think. case, that's an exception. But how's he going to prove it if he didn't keep the emails? You've, you've got a can yeah, There has here. to be
0: a flag on the record, though. I mean, there has to be a flag on the record. If you look up my email address today and the old one that I had to change, if you look up the new address, you will see this was done because Apple told him to. There'd be something flagged. On the ID. Otherwise, it, it doesn't count. It's possible.
1: Um, but you, you simply can't say, our system doesn't work and you have to pay to fix it. You can't say to people, okay, you got married and you want to merge your IDs. We're going to let you do it. But you've got to pay to fix it because we don't have a simpler way. You can't do that. I guarantee there would be lawsuits. Can, can you think of a logical reason for them to justify making people pay? I can't. Let me give you a second example, though, um, which is as common. Um, Adult manages a computer child um, has been buying some content with the adult's account for years, and this is actually what happened with my son and I, Um, then the kid grows up, goes to school, and has their own bank account or gets a job, whatever, and they want to be able to use their content and use the same Apple ID. So how do you split Apple IDs? How do you say to someone, okay, here's the current Apple ID, and here's what's linked to it. Um, You want to split this. Now, that to me actually seems a little bit easier. You give people, I don't know, a a list on a web page, and you check a bunch of things. You say, this one's being kept with this Apple ID, and here's the new Apple ID, and this one's being transferred. The problem there, however, is that if any of this account is transferred, that means that the current files that you have won't work. You'll have to re-download all the files if they're still available. So it's not simple either. But obviously, it has to be done, and as Apple gets bigger and bigger, the problem only gets worse and worse it 's going to get worse and worse if they keep ignoring it uh, i it's the Apple IDs are the issue I get the most emails so you mentioned i 'm the iTunes guy from Macworld. I write a column twice a month called "Ask the iTunes guy the most The, the most common emails I get are about apple IDs um, this shows that it's a big issue, and some people have pointed out that they've, um, you know, written to Apple, etc., but it's, they're going to have to solve it. And I'll give you – th- I was only going to mention two examples, but I'll give you a third one, which is actually um, a bit more complicated. What do you do when someone dies? If they haven't given their password to, say, their spouse or their children, um, are you going to say that all that content that they bought over the years is lost and can't be transferred as part of a will I find that surprising, and I know the cases – There's certainly been cases where people have died, and I've gotten emails about it, and I've said to people, you know, make sure that in your will you put your Apple ID password or that you put it in a safe place where someone can get to it, whether it be your spouse, your children, or whoever. Well, this is a matter of taking
0: personal responsibility, not – saying it's up to Apple to figure it out. I mean, if you want your content passed on, it's up to you to figure it out, put it in your will, show
1: your significant other, show okay, your family, so show,
0: show your it. friends. That's your responsibility, but not wait, Apple's. So
1: your wife dies and she has your content and she now has two Apple IDs, one which is hers and one which is yours, that she can't merge. So we're back at square one. There's always an exception to the rule. And I agree with you. Apple needs to work something out.
0: Apple has the resources to do it they can't stick another billion dollars in there and say this is going to be devoted to fixing the apple id conundrum. Yep. But you can change your apple id, right? Yes and no. Um in fact, okay, I, I love
1: equivocating answers, but I realize yes no. it depends. So let's. Well, it depends. Um, so, in my Ask the iTunes Guy column last week, which is why you brought this up, um, I looked at Apple ID problems, and the question of changing your Apple ID depends on what your Apple ID is. If you have an Apple ID that is a .mac.me, uh, sorry, a .mac.com, a .me.com, or an iCloud.com, you cannot change it. However, if your Apple ID is Yahoo.com or Gmail.com, you can. And. That in itself is a paradox. Why can you not change the ones with Apple's email addresses? You would think that those would be the ones you could change. (laughs) Because Apple is inscrutable. Yes, they have the power to cloud men's minds and all that, too, don't they? The power to cloud men's minds so you cannot see them. Yeah. Now, that's another
0: story. That goes back to Street and Smith. We have to pay the copyright notice every time we mention anything related to the shadow. Although I think after all these years, the copyright for The Shadow has expired. So we can do anything we want, can't we? I hope so. That's why we have Kirk McElhern here. We can do anything we want. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
9: You are the target of those who encampel the liberties of free men. The enemy may have changed. A cold war. But the threat to our freedom is not. Atlas Survival Shelters are light years beyond those of the past. The fallout shelter is the best defense. Large, comfortable, secure. The strongest shelters money can buy. It's time you see them at IWantThatBunker.com or call 1-855-4BUNKERS. Atlas Survival Shelters. Better prepared than scared. Ceramic body armor is rated to stop six hits. But what about the seventh?
12: Unlike ceramic or Kevlar, Infidel body armor is proven to take hit after hit. And it just won't quit. Reasonably priced and designed for the smart civilian prepper, Infidel stops hundreds of hits from small arms to high-powered rifles. That means safety and peace of mind. Buy yours at InfidelBodyArmor.com. Spelled I-N-F-I-D-E-L BodyArmor.com. Infidel body armor just won't quit.
9: Before another autumn arrives, celebrate the closing days of summer with the first annual Blue Green Organic Summerfest. Friday, September 20th through Sunday the 22nd on beautiful Madeline Island, Wisconsin. It's three days of family-friendly fun and admission is totally free. There's arts and crafts vendors, a farmer's market, and activities for the kids. Plus, great live music with nine bands, both regional and local, including headliners The Suburbs and Allison Scott. It's hosted by Blue Green, serving great organic food on bell street on the restaurant and event center grounds sponsorship and vendor booths are still available call 952-556-8707 the blue green organic summer fest september 20th through 22nd madeline island's never seen anything like it and it's free like us on facebook and visit Organic bluegreenorganicsummerfest.com sponsored by south shore brewery fresh key fry wines freezor legendary waters the storm 99.7 and 90 for life longevity
7: Hi, my name is DeRay, suffering from migraines, having Botox injections in my head and neck to alleviate pain, costing $1,500 out of my pocket. I discovered Dr. Ortman and gentle touch chiropractic adjustment called Nuka. I'm migraine-free since my first adjustment. Thanks for giving me my life back, Dr. Ortman. I wish they prescribed
5: you instead of Botox. Thanks, DeRay. Putting the bones back in place is only half of the solution. We design a nutritional supplement program the body can handle, actually absorb, providing nutrients, targeting the problem area. Between NUCA and nutrition, we will have you on the road to a faster and more permanent recovery. Look us up on the web at DrWartman.com or call 952-303-9124. Let us help you feel better faster. Wellspring Spinal Care at 952-303-9124. Again, that's 952 303 9124 or on the web at drortman.com. You never know what's going
11: to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg.
0: We have Kirk McElhern, author and rack and tour the Macworld iTunes guy on the Tech Night Out Live addressing the Apple ID conundrum. So if you want to change your Apple ID, if you have an Apple email address, no. Otherwise, yes. The problem arises when your
1: account is with Apple. You can't change it if it's an Apple Apple ID. Let's, let's call it like that. Let's say it's an Apple Apple ID or a non-Apple Apple ID. So the Apple Apple ID is that wonderful address you got with Mobile Me, you know, the dot .Mac address. Say, hey, that's going to be my Apple ID. It'll be great. And then, well, it's not so great. You can't win. No. And the problem is it's so pervasive. The Apple ID is so widely used um, because, see, if you look even further, so I'd mentioned about stores and things. I didn't mention about things like FaceTime and messages, which can be linked to your Apple ID. Um, So you've got a phone, I don't know, your child's been using a phone with your Apple ID for FaceTime, they don't want to use it anymore because they don't want your phone getting their calls. Um, I've already seen someone who has a phone that she got from her daughter and she still gets stuff she still gets messages that were intended for her daughter because there's a glitch going on between the way messages is, is registering the Apple ID because messages in FaceTime register the Apple ID and some sort of hardware ID for a device and link them. Um, so if you're sharing an Apple ID, it gets really complicated for that sort of stuff. Okay,
0: so Kirk McElhern, if you were in charge of the official Apple ID office at Apple, we don't assume there is such a place, but assuming... I think there must be something like that. Okay, you're in charge. You have the power. What would you do?
1: Well, I would certainly um, get, Apple start- get Apple staff started on finding a solution to merging, splitting Apple IDs. That's the first issue right here. Um, I would certainly make it possible to change from an Apple Apple ID to something else. I think that's important, but I think the first step is to allow for merging and splitting because these lots of people want them. Merging's easier, splitting's quite complex. Um, as I mentioned before, splitting could involve having to re-download a lot of stuff. They could, of course, they could do something so iTunes recognizes that Apple ID as having been split. And, and iTunes says, hey, you've got to re-download all this stuff. Click this button. We'll re-download it and replace the stuff in your library. It's not, you know, these are computers. They can do things like that. You really think so? I don't see why not. I mean, iTunes can already tell you when you've got downloads waiting. So if you buy a season sure. pass for a TV show. I'm kidding. Um, I'm kidding. Oh, okay. But they can just put all this stuff automatically into the download queue of the, new, the newly split Apple ID that needs to get the content. Um, this isn't rocket science. I think yeah, it's entirely possible that Apple's just a bit overwhelmed by the scope of this. And let's not forget that there are all sorts of issues with the um, rights holders involved here. So, you know, record labels, movie studios, app developers, etc. So that's why I said if you're splitting an Apple ID, you'd have to probably choose item by item which is what items are going to go for each Apple ID. You can't have two copies of them.
0: So this would be a difficult problem, only being made more difficult because
1: of Apple's inaction. Well, you know, we long... We're used to the idea that the iTunes Store didn't make money. Remember, that was until about what a year and a half ago, when all of a sudden we realized that they'd reached the tipping point, and we're now making last was it last year was a billion dollars or something in profit. Um, that the iTunes Store initially was designed to sell iPods, and of course, it's it's gotten much bigger and with a lot more content um it's very likely that apple in the beginning saw the itunes store as nothing more than a loss leader in other words they provide the service and they break even or lose a little bit because they know it's going to sell hardware but now that it's become a business in and of itself i think they just have a responsibility to the people who use this this business basically at this point they have to make a decision and they have to fix it Well, they got $140 billion
0: sitting in offshore accounts. Well, that's what I was saying. I'm saying they can allocate a billion dollars for this and would be chump change. You know, maybe maybe file fewer
1: lawsuits. In a way, it would be future-proofing the iTunes store. Because you know that eventually some class-action lawyer is going to come up with a lawsuit about this. Well, of course, there's always a class-action lawsuit. In fact,
0: having mentioned it, you have now made some class action
1: lawyers look at that and say, hey, that's cool. If you're a class action lawyer and you're listening to this program, please go to my website, www.mackelhearn.com. Send me an email and I'll be happy to consult with you on your lawsuit. And by the way, the fees are affordable. And and give Gene a percentage as well. I get a finder's fee on everything. Sure. That's fair. But yeah, it's going to happen and Apple needs to do this and, and Get, get rid of those, solve the problem, because it, people are frustrated. There are people who spend a lot of money. Um, I think I got an a, a email today, if I can just look real quickly. Um, here's just a here's one. Uh, the last Ask the iTunes guy email. I have two different Apple IDs, one with a name and the other with my email address. I'd like to delete the one which uses my name. Is there a way to delete an account? Because there was a time when you didn't have to have an email address for an Apple ID. Do you remember that? This goes way back. Ah. Huh. Here's another one. Um, My daughter's bought a lot of iTunes content and is leaving for college. Is there a way to separate accounts without abandoning her currently used Apple email? Because remember, a lot of people are using the Apple ID for their email, in addition to things like messages and, you know. And P.S. it's gotten annoying that when she gets an app on her computer associated with my account, it appears on my computer, as does her reminders appear on my phone. And you said... I haven't replied yet. I get dozens of these emails um, every week. Um, I reply to some of them where the answer is very simple, and and others I reply in the columns.
0: Well, the Apple ID conundrum will only get worse, and we'll continue to talk to you about it.
13: Yep. Mm.
0: Okay, let's have a few iTunes tips. We very seldom do this. Okay. But you always come up with tips and hints and all that kind of stuff. Okay, an article you did. Just a few days ago. Actually, it'll be today when he records this, but whatever. You want to add silence to your iTunes and iPod playlists. Yep. I'm going to ask why, because commonly speaking, when they produce records in the old days, they would eliminate the silence between tracks because it was all a unified performance. So there are times you want to do this. There are times when you don't.
1: You know, every year or so, I update this article. Um, I first posted it in 2005, and it's proven the most popular article on my website. Every day, I get, you know, a couple dozen hits for this article. Um, There are a number of reasons why people want to do this, and the two most common ones in the comments to the article, some people have said, oh, thank you, this is great, I really needed this. Um, The two most common are people setting playlists for a wedding, and they want a certain amount of silence after a song for whatever reason. Or people um, creating playlists for exercise routines where they want to, say, run for five minutes, walk for a minute, you know, something like that. Um, and so what I did when I, when I wrote this article in 2005 is I created a number of silent tracks. Um, I created four different tracks, a 10-second, 15-second, 30-second, and one-minute track. They're all very small. They're just a couple of kilobytes each. They're very small because I used um, silence, which doesn't take up much data and I used them and I converted them at the lowest possible bit rate. So they are only a few K each. Um, but in the comments, a number of people have pointed out doing this and, and I've had emails from people who do this um, for performances. Uh, someone says, thanks, you've helped greatly with my radio show. So there are a lot of reasons why people would want to do this and it, Surprise me you know I had thought of this initially for myself to have playlists and and I would make playlists of classical music now if you've got a symphony you want to listen to a symphony and a string quartet and a piano sonata you don't want them running into each other with just a couple of seconds between you want maybe 10 or 15 or 20 seconds of of a pause between them and so this is why I did it initially and I posted it on my website not thinking that a lot of people would be interested but whenever I look at my stats um, so, search engine terms. If you have a WordPress WordPress blog and you use the Jetpack plugin, you have stats that show what people search when they're looking for your website. So, today, four people looked for Silence Track. Three people looked for download silent audio MP3 file. Um, and every day, I'll get you know a dozen people who are looking for that. So, year on year, this has been by far the most popular article on my website.
0: Now, some might suggest we have a pause for silence right now, but we're not going to do that, okay? We're not going to be silent because I was told many years ago when I was studying radio that we should never have dead air, okay? We want to have silence. I mean, some people who listen to the show suggest that we should have a lot of silence. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
14: How's your pH today? are you acidic? How alkaline is your blood and body?
12: What is the pH of the water you drink? We are AlkaVision and we have the answers. Drinking pure high alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining vibrant health and high energy because bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. If your drinking water isn't at a pH level of 8 or higher, boost it with AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops. Our unique formula will alkalize your water, ridding your body of harmful toxins and acid, and help regain energy and health. Simply add 10 drops of Alka. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops to help your body rid itself of acidic waste, increase oxygen, and raise the pH of your body to optimal levels. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com, spelled A-L-K-A-Vision.com, or call 800-518-7615, 800-518-7615, alkalize your body, supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com.
6: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
0: Kirk McElhern joins us for a couple of more segments. We were talking in our previous one where he was asked as the iTunes guy how to add silence, because silence is golden, to your iTunes tracks. Now, one thing I want to talk about now, iTunes Match, it's been here for, what, almost two years now? Yeah, well, uh,
1: November, was it? So, about a little more than a year and a half, yeah.
0: Okay, do we still have the problems that we had two years ago, where certain songs that you already have in an album available at iTunes, but you simply, as they say, ripped it from your own copy of the album, are still not
1: recognized? You know, I actually just went through this process again um, about two weeks ago uh, to see what happened, and yeah, the problem is still there. It's not any better. I should have – so what I did is I deleted a lot of – I have a test library for iTunes Match because my uh, main library is uh, almost three times as big as what iTunes Match allows. So I have a test library on my laptop, and I deleted a lot of stuff and re-added them from my normal library to see how well they matched, and I got the same problems of you know one or two or three or four tracks on albums not matching when those albums were in the iTunes store and when the other tracks match, showing that – the album is in the iTunes store and recognized. So that hasn't been fixed. And I don't know why that hasn't been fixed. And why can't they fix it? Because it's pretty annoying, frankly. It's on the list at Apple, below merging your Apple IDs. I don't know. Remember, though, that um, Apple touted iTunes as a way to air quote, upgrade some of your music that you may have in low bit rates to get higher bit rate versions. So if you had 128k MP3 of, you know, Sergeant Pepper, um, you could match it and then you'd get a 256k version of it. Well, unfortunately, um, that just doesn't work because you're going to be uploading a certain number of songs. Um, you're going to match, say, 8 or 9 out of 10 songs and they'll be The better versions but the other ones won't so apple did sort of promise something um they didn't fulfill their promise there they kind
0: of sort of promised but they kind of sort of didn't deliver
1: and it makes you wonder after all this time why have they haven't improved the matching algorithm um You know, when you see an album that's a popular album, um, take a Beatles album or whatever, and it just doesn't all match, there's a problem. There really is a problem. And they should be asking the question, why is this the case? And I've seen this with all sorts of albums. Um, It could be popular or not so popular. Um, You'll find one or two tracks on an album, and maybe 10% of the albums I've matched, I've seen this. I'm I'm not seeing this as being solved until they totally revamped the matching algorithm. And in that case, what are they going to do? Are they going to tell people, well, you've uploaded this file, but now we match it. We can replace it with a matched version because that's just, I, I don't see how that's going to work out. So many problems,
0: so few solutions. Any other irritants that you can mention with iTunes
1: or any of the features around it? Well, iTunes is full of irritants. Um, (laughs) I I tend to be more, you know, you hear a lot of people complaining about iTunes, and I tend to be a lot more sanguine about it because I use iTunes so much that I know how to get around some of these irritants. Um, what, What would be the most annoying problem? Well, here's another one I get a lot of email from. People importing albums and importing cds ripping cds and an album that ends up having two lines in the itunes library and there are a couple of reasons for this um one could be the compilation tag which is set for an album that's a compilation which is meant to be something that's different artists and the other is when some of the tracks have an album artist and other ones don't um But it's the kind of problem that when you go to fix it, isn't necessarily easy to fix. So you can change the tags that you think need to be fixed, but this may not actually fix it. Uh, What I've found in in some cases, I've had to remove the albums, remove all the files from iTunes, and then re-add them to get them to get fixed. Something gets messed up somehow in the iTunes library file um, that leads to this.
0: You know, that always leads you to think, you know what? This application has become so unwieldy that maybe it's just breaking at the seams.
1: Yeah, you see, that to me is just illogical reasoning. It's not because iTunes um, syncs apps that the the way albums are stored is any different. The, the, the two are not related in any way. Um, the problem is simply that there's something going on under the hood and that for whatever reason, they can't figure it out. It's a bug. It's obviously a bug. Um, and again, the question one might want to ask is uh, what priority do they put in fixing a bug like this?
0: And you also have to look at what is Apple's competition the only competition is what, Google Play?
1: I mean, Amazon well, has competition
0: cloud, uh, too, no. but, but the real competition is Google Play for everything
1: yeah i don't think they're, i don't think they're competition I think um, the thing you need to see with iTunes is that it has to be a good customer experience because iTunes is the gateway to a lot of what you buy from Apple um, obviously it's a little bit different for apps because you can use the app store on an iOS device you can use the Mac app store you can't buy apps um, for the Mac through iTunes. Um, You can buy books through iBooks um, on an iOS device. And with Mavericks, there'll be an iBooks app. So that'll be a little bit separate. But iTunes and the iTunes experience is the gateway. And in fact, if you're not a Mac user, it's the Apple product you use um, if you own an Apple device. I think the problem here is that people just need to be satisfied. Uh, You should make it so there aren't so many people complaining about this app, which is probably the most widely used – after Microsoft Office might be the most widely used app in the world.
0: Of course, Microsoft Office is also creaking
1: at the seams, but that's been true for 25 years. Yeah, that's – it's – every time it's like two steps forward, three steps back, and it's – but see – We've gotten used to that, that we don't have expectations. We don't expect it to be fixed. Do we? We live with
0: it. We say, ain't it awful, but we live with it. Yeah. What are you going to do? Let's go over a few things before we let you go. So you've heard the story. Apple apparently plans to hold a media event on September 10th. They haven't confirmed it, but All Things D, which is from the Wall Street Journal, And Jim Dalrymple, who was never wrong about such things, say it's going to happen. Now, it's also in keeping with last year in terms of the time of the month and everything. So we kind of assume it's going to happen. What are you expecting, a cheap iPhone?
1: I'm expecting a cheap iPhone. Um, There's some speculation that's been going around in the week that we're recording this that the cheap iPhone might not include Siri. Um, Well, there's speculation from one analyst, but that... I will say, makes no sense, whatever. No, I think it makes sense. I think that a cheaper iPhone could have a slower processor. Um, which yeah, could... but it would be no slower than an iPhone 4S. Well, that's true, but they still might want to leave out certain features to make the full-priced iPhone more enticing. Um, if you that goes, a, against, that on that on goes front... against what Apple's doing to expand series reach. Well, okay, you have to remember that the cheap iPhone is in part assuming there is going to be one, which I believe is in part going to be created for markets outside of the US and Europe. So where people have less income and can't afford to pay for an iPhone. I'm not thinking that Apple won't sell this in other countries because that would just be a little weird. Apple doesn't really do that unless there's some regulatory reason they can't sell something in a country. Um, But I can see a cheaper iPhone with a plastic body that, you know, doesn't feel cheap, but but feels like a phone. Um, And I can see it having slightly fewer features. Maybe it, well, it would have to have a camera, but maybe it can't do, you know, maybe it's not a retina display. Maybe it can't do 1080p video playback, a slower processor that would save a little bit of money. There's going to have to be trade-offs. It's going to, it can't be an iPhone 4. Of course, nothing stops Apple from taking the basic specs
0: of the iPhone 4, but somehow finding a way to produce it more inexpensively. We have Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. here in the Tech Night Out Live.
7: Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
14: Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth slide into a recession or at worst depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative Call 800-686-2237.
15: products from municipal water berkey water filter systems are even powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water for the gold standard in water filters get a big berkey at big berkey water and all gcn listeners get five percent off all ceramic filter systems for details call 1-877-99 berkey that's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y big berkey water filters for the love of clean water
0: I have bought a few bottles of heart and body extract and have to say that it, it certainly does work.
12: That's what Jack from Michigan had to say after his experience with heart pain and what he did to treat it with heart and body extract.
16: I actually had a huge heart flutter. I was also having some edema
0: around my ankles and very worrisome clot in my uh, right leg that would happen
17: from time to time while I was trying to sleep.
12: Heart and body extract is all natural with no negative side effects. It will help repair or correct past problems associated with the heart and body circulation.
17: After my second bottle of heart and body extract, all problems are now gone.
12: Order at HBextract.com or call 866-295-5305.
5: I ordered a third bottle of heart and body extract for maintenance as I want to keep everything working. Order
12: heart and body extract at 866-295-5305 or HBextract.com. Heart and body extract for a long and healthy life.
0: The predictions we're making here on the Tech Night How Live with Gene Steinberg, joined by Kirk McElhern. The predictions, of course, relate to Apple's expected media event early September, possibly Tuesday, September 10th. The day after my birthday, the
1: day after I reach 419. My age changes every hour. And it's a bummer for me because I'll be in in my Shakespeare week that week. I'm going to Stratford-upon-Avon to see four Shakespeare plays. And when they're doing that presentation, I will be going to see Titus Andronicus. And so I'll have to wait until after the play to see what they announced. And because I don't follow Shakespeare, I have no idea what he's talking about.
0: Well, it's, you know, good stuff. (laughs) You know, whatever you say, okay? People will criticize me for not being a big fan of Shakespeare. I mean, I read the plays. I've seen some of the plays. Ain't that great? Let's move on. Okay. I don't Uh, expect you to like everything I do. About the iPhone 5C or iPhone Lite or iPhone 5M, my guess here is that it'll be done more cheaply than the iPhone 4 because they want to make it cheaper, but because parts are cheaper today and more efficient, because remember, the existing iPhone 4 is using parts source back in 2010 and just being built. They're still being built. Apple's using today's technology, today's parts to gain economies of scale. I still think Siri is important to Apple's strategy in many ways, and that's something that has to be there. Maybe there's no LTE support. Maybe it's going to lack a retina display, whatever. It
1: still is going to have Siri. Yeah, the LTE LTE support is an interesting point because um, I don't know how widespread LTE is over there, but um, here in the UK, there's only one carrier that has LTE for now. A second carrier is going to be starting, I think, in September. Um, They only cover a certain number of cities. I don't get LTE where I live. So if I could pay, a, I don't know, $100 less, $50 less for a phone that doesn't do LTE, uh, it makes sense. I don't Personally, I don't really care about LTE. Um, my current contract has a bandwidth cap, so I don't care about how fast things get downloaded. The web page loads a little bit faster. It's not a big deal for me.
0: Now, I have measured the LTE where I live. It's over 40 megabits down. But do you have unlimited bandwidth? Yes, I do, because I have an AT&T
1: contract with that feature grandfathered. Okay, because they're pretty hesitant about giving those contracts out. No, there is a, there is a provider here that does um, unlimited data, but unfortunately they don't have the same coverage as the provider that has the LTE. So I took the provider with the LTE, not for the LTE, but for other reasons, and it's possible that after the 12 months is up, because I'm locked into 12 months, I'll switch to this other provider and get unlimited data. Even if they don't have LTE just to not have to worry about data.
16: Well
0: I'll tell you, I will use a massive amount of data because most of the time I'm hooked up to the Wi Fi
1: network. Right. Um, the time that I would the times that I would want are two times. One is if I'm traveling someplace, and two is if my internet in my home goes down and I need to get tethered access. Now I'll tell you an example of where we ran into a
0: problem. Last night the power went off. We live near yeah. Phoenix, Arizona. The power went off, but it was a cascading failure where they bring the power back online for two seconds. It would go mm-hmm. off again and then impact another area. So in all, from about 4.58 p.m. local time till about 8.30, the power was off. Right. And then at around 9.15, it went off again for five minutes. Don't ask me to explain that. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I use AT&T's network. My mobile phone was fully charged, and I use it for email and surfing and everything like that. Tried to kind of keep active during those three and a half hours or whatever that I was without
1: power. Right. When I was in France, um, I had a contract with unlimited data, and there were a couple of times when I lost Internet access. Um, once lasted eight hours and other Two or three times were two or three hours each time. Um, and since my work involves the Internet, it was a choice of not working or tethering my iPhone and getting my Internet that way. So, obviously, I chose the latter. Uh, if that happened here, if let's say, I don't know, they're digging out in the street someplace and they cut a cable or something, well, then I've got a certain amount of time that I don't have Internet access. So, I need a solution. Um, The easiest solution for me is to use an iPhone with tethering. There are other solutions getting a MiFi and a data, uh, you know, a data sim and things like that. And I've done that when I moved into this apartment. I did that um, for the first two weeks. But that was really annoying. It's much easier to just not have to worry about how much data you're sucking.
0: Well, that's the problem, too. They have different data standards, different data caps on almost everything. I'm not using... The local cable TV provider, Cox, I'm using CenturyLink only because they have the special deal for a year. You pay a much lower price. So I got 20 megabits up, 40 down, but just the other day it went to 50. Hmm. And it's not even mentioned on their site, so I don't know. They claim it's going to go to 80 eventually, but I don't know when. That's pretty good. It's fast enough.
1: Well, I got 15 down, um, which is pretty good. Um, they don't do cable over here and I'm not in an area where they have fiber yet, but eventually, uh, my son, uh, just outside of Paris has fiber. I think he's getting 96 down, which is really quite impressive when you think about it. Okay. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. So, Hey, there was something really interesting this week, um, which we didn't, we were talking about iTunes and the iTunes store. Um, I think on Tuesday of this week, Apple had a new page on the iTunes store with movie bundles at some special prices. And early in the morning, they had all eight Harry Potter movies in HD for $9.99. And this lasted for a few hours. And I spotted this on Twitter and a, a number of people. I posted on my blog and all that. And a few hours later, the price had gone up to $60. Some intern at the at the iTunes store made a little bit of a mistake, and they were giving away 8 harry potter movies at well a buck and a quarter each in a bundle oh yeah i heard about that if i was interested in
0: getting all those harry potter movies i would jump at the opportunity yep yeah. well
1: you know i had actually been thinking of buying the blu-rays in a box set because i've never seen the last three i think so that would be six and the seventh is in two parts right i have no idea i think so yeah,
0: the last one was in two parts because they could have you go back to the movie twice and make twice as much money.
1: Of course, I agree. But you know, I think they're good movies. Um, I think they're not great, but they're good. I enjoyed the books. I, I was reading the books to my son when he was young, and then he was able to read them after that. Um, so it, you know, marks a period of my life, which was kind of interesting. You know, when you have a kid growing up on things like that,
0: and just think, my son never got into that, maybe because he was a few years too old. To pick yeah. up on it. Not that he doesn't care about science fiction and fantasy, because obviously he does write science fiction and has with me. Anyway, Kirk McElhern, tell our listeners where they can find more of what you're doing and what stuff you might have coming up.
1: My website, Kirkville, um, www.mcelhern.com. I actually just updated it last week to a new responsive theme. So if you're looking at it on an iPad, um, it'll look a lot better. Macworld, where I write the Ask the iTunes Guy column every two weeks and plenty of other Macworld articles.
0: There it is. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks for having me again, Gene.
3: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
9: Alabama. It's coming. And it's the event you and your family will not want to miss. The Southern Preppers Convention and Green Living Expo. Saturday and Sunday, September 7th and 8th at the newly renovated Oxford Civic Center in Oxford, Alabama. Where admission is totally free. There's something for everyone. Free classes and seminars on topics like food preparation, food harvesting, and food preservation. Free giveaways every 30 minutes. You could win seed kits, food, doTERRA oil, starter kits, water filters and more. Including a year's supply of Food. Guest speakers include Bob from Black Dog Survival School, Mike from White Harvest Seeds, Dr. Tom Stoner from Dr. Med Kits, and more. And be sure to stop by and check out the Longevity Booth, the Southern Preppers Convention and Green Living Expo, September 7th and 8th, a weekend of education and preparation that's totally free to attend. Don't forget, the Country Inn and Suites in Oxford has special rates available for those who attend the Expo. Get all the details at the SouthernPreppers.com. That's the SouthernPreppers.com. Wouldn't it be nice to have one product that replaces more than 10, saving you space, time, and money? HempUSA.org has a complete full-spectrum vitamin mineral detox formulation called Micro Plant Powder Gold. Micro Plant Powder Gold contains 101 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and iodine, has a 100-year shelf life, and is a perfect addition to any storage shelter. Make Micro Plant Powder Gold your choice. Call 888-910-4367 or visit HempUSA.org today.
3: HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with microplant powder. Order today at 888 910 4367 or visit hempusa.org.
18: Summertime is sale time at Herbal Healer Academy. Current customers know this is the time to save big and stock up at HerbalHealer.com. New customers, welcome to the web's best place to save on vitamins, minerals, and more. Right now, Herbal Healer's summer specials include our 500 parts per million colloidal silver, all sizes on sale, CoQ10 with Hawthorne, Colon Enhancer, Sea Cucumber, Superfem and Super Male Plex, plus Glucosamine Chondroitin, our best-selling liquid CalMag Vitamin D and our coll- minerals, All on sale for summer at HerbalHealer.com. And Herbal Healer also offers certificate correspondence courses in natural medicine. Enjoy same-day shipping and free online newsletter. Log on to our nation's leader in supplying quality natural medicine and education. Since 1988, Herbal Healer Academy at HerbalHealer.com. You're
11: listening to The Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen
0: next. Back this week is our old friend Peter Cohen, and he is with iMore, and he's also with the loop at loopinsight.com. So he is a busy bee, and we're happy to have him back. Peter, welcome back.
2: Thank you very much for having me, Gene. Nice to talk to you again so soon.
0: Yes, it's like we almost were talking yesterday. It seems so (laughs) frequent. You know, it's interesting here, after Apple's stock price took literally a dump for so long, suddenly the stock price has gone up again. And it looks like one of the reasons is that billionaires have decided that Apple is a nice place to invest some of their billions.
2: Well, One Billionaire in specific, uh, in particular, Carl Icahn, had some nice things to say about Apple and name-dropped Tim Cook on Twitter this week and said that uh, he was talking to Tim about the possibility of Apple increasing its buyback uh, stock buyback program. That got a lot of people on Wall Street excited, and that's caused a nice little bounce on the stock.
0: Okay, so in the real world, though, stock buybacks, that's mostly just moving money around, isn't it?
2: It really is. It doesn't have. It's not going to have a huge effect on Apple's profile as a publicly held company. You know, it's something that Peter Oppenheimer and Tim Cook announced that they were going to do um, a while back, and it, it seemed to be something that uh, that, that Apple implemented to appease uh, Wall Street analysts and others who are concerned with the huge war chest that Apple's sitting on, the huge amount of cash it has. Uh, that it doesn't really seem to be doing anything productive with.
0: What we're talking about here is the fact that Wall Street would rather a company play a numbers game than simply sit on money and maybe invest it for the future.
2: Well, as evidenced by Amazon, what Wall Street ultimately is more interested in than anything is an increase in market share, even at the expense of profitability. You know, whether or not Apple is going to do that remains to be seen. You know, we know that there's an Apple announcement coming up next, uh, uh, next month that uh, ostensibly is going to be the introduction of at least one new phone model, if not two. And I think that that may be um, engendering some investor optimism as well. But, um, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I think that, that this week's bump um, can be squarely uh, laid at, at Carl Icahn's doorstep um, as opposed to anything else.
0: Well, that's what Wall Street wants. But you have to think here. Amazon hardly ever makes much of a profit. Correct. Wall Street likes them. Apple makes a big profit, and if it's a slightly smaller profit, Wall Street says that's no good. So where's my disconnect? I don't pretend to understand Wall Street, but I'm very confused here.
2: Well, the issue is is market share. You know, Apple has an increasingly small... Slice of of a very big pie in the smart, in the smartphone market. Uh, Wall Street recognizes that there are a lot of people buying smartphones, but and and tablets, but that fewer and fewer of them are buying Apple products specifically. Now Apple's been able to carve out a very very profitable segment of the market for itself, and it's been able to grow for the most part quarter after quarter in terms of the the units that it's selling um at least in some segments there's been some contraction we've talked about that before um you know in this most recent quarter we'll see if that continues but you know compared to samsung for example or compared to a company like amazon which again is is interested in grabbing a huge amount of market share for itself even if it's not making a lot of profit that's what wall street investors are interested in seeing because they figure eventually you know, it's it's the old parable about the boy who's given a choice between a room full of toys and a room full of horse poop. He picks the room full of horse poop because there's got to be a pony in there someplace. I think that Wall Street investors are suspecting that there's got to be a pony somewhere in the Amazon room filled with horse poop.
0: Okay, so Amazon has been around since the 1990s, so they're very optimistic, aren't they?
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Amazon's got its fingers in a lot of different pies, obviously. You know, it's got the Kindle, it's got Um, You know, it's e-commerce business, which is its bread and butter. Um, And but the the stock is still trading at absurdly high levels. And, uh, you know, it's still a Wall Street darling.
0: Well, if only Apple could be that. But Apple has always been the rebel. You know, maybe Wall Street embraced Apple during this period when the stock price really ran up. They did that reluctantly, figuring, hey, this is going to change soon.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that they um, they did. And I think that there was some, uh, you know, if you'll pardon me, borrowing the expression from uh, from uh, Alan Greenspan, some irrational exuberance on the part of investors for a while in Apple that, that led to Apple's stock run up at 700. You know, maybe the, maybe the stock is better valued where it is now around five. I don't know. I'm not a Wall Street expert. I don't pretend to understand these things very well. Uh, but what I can tell you is that um, the rise and fall of not just Apple stock, but other stock uh, often doesn't have anything to do with either the company's fundamentals or how good the products are making you know, for the company. It just seems like there's a lot of perversity on Wall Street when it comes to figuring out whether to buy stock or sell it.
0: Well, just think of all the people who lost money in the stock market during the recession and how the people on Wall Street are still making money hand over fist. And we could argue as to whether some of them really should have seen some jail time.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's it, it's astonishing to me that um, uh, there hasn't been more prosecutions of, of some of these people.
0: I heard of a couple the other day, and I thought, well, all right, they're not going to serve as long in jail as someone who had a couple of joints in his back pocket. In the wrong state
2: that's exactly right
0: okay let's look at a few other things here so i saw an article the other day which was suggesting that the 150 million dollars that microsoft invested in apple back in what 1997 if they had kept the investment rather than giving it up over a decade ago it would be worth billions of dollars today and that's only an example one example of all the mistakes that microsoft has made
2: well, Microsoft has made a lot of mistakes, but I'm not sure that um, selling that Apple stock was one of them. Uh, you know, that Apple stock was purchased, uh, you know, as uh, it, it was it was a block of non voting stock that that uh, uh, that Microsoft owned. And it was purchased at a time when Apple was really on the ropes and Apple and Microsoft both needed to do something that showed that Microsoft had a lot of faith in Apple and that Apple trusted, you know, that Microsoft was a good development partner for them and not um, an adversary. You know, this was uh, during a time when, um, you know, the the uh, Mac versus PC wars were still in the news, when um, uh, Apple and Microsoft had, had fought a war of attrition in the courts for years, that Apple... Ended up losing, you know, eventually um, over um, the way that Windows worked and the way that Mac, Macs worked and the similarity therein, kind of like what Apple is now doing with um, uh, with Samsung, for example. Although Apple's results with Samsung seem to be a little bit stronger than Apple's results with Microsoft back in the bad old days. So Microsoft's reasons for buying Apple stock, I think, were quite varied, um, and it, it was a, an artifact of a different time, but. You know, armchair quarterbacking, what Apple, what Microsoft does with its investments is a loser's game as far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, the thing we have to really consider also here is that what Microsoft did in the 1990s was not so much financial as psychological. If Microsoft is putting their money into Apple, Apple must be a solid company. If Microsoft is committing to develop Office for the Mac for five years, if they're making that commitment, Apple is a company with a future. It's going to last at least five years. Of course, after the five years, people were saying, well, what is Microsoft now gives up on Office for the Mac? Wow, that's too
8: bad.
2: Yeah, you know, as uh, Microsoft um, uh, could have kept its investment or or whatever, but what I really wish is that I'd had the presence of mind to buy uh, Apple stock when it was trading at like $4 a share You know, I wish I'd had the money to do it, and I wish I'd had the the foresight to do it, because I'd be a very wealthy man right now. And And we wouldn't be having this conversation, or we'd be having this conversation from my yacht in the Bahamas.
0: Well, we'd enjoy that. I mean, but then we were too ethical as journalists. We could not invest in Apple. We have Peter Cohen joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
3: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN.
7: Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
5: What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs?
13: Glad you asked. The answer is renovation teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. That's 870-784-3121. Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time.
16: We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283.
17: A little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even though I ate a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving.
11: Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg.
0: So imagine if we weren't ethical and we bought all that Apple stock. You know, I have to tell you a story. In the early 2000s, an old friend of mine from Georgia went to his first Macworld Expo. And... I took him around San Francisco. He attended the keynote with me. I got him a seat at the keynote. And after he heard that, and this is when Apple's stock price was, what, $10, $15? He called his stockbroker and invested $140,000 in Apple. Now, I don't know whether he sold that or not, because if he didn't sell it, what it would be worth today.
2: Good grief. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Isn't that fascinating <sighs> how these things work out?
2: Indeed. And it's worth pointing out, I wasn't actually a journalist at the time. I was in IT, so I don't think there would have been any conflict there.
0: Well, there you go. You see? So you only have yourself to blame.
2: Exactly right.
0: Let's look at the things we can expect from Apple. Now, we know that Apple is going to hold a media event on the 10th of September. How do we know? Is because when they asked Jim Dalrymple of the loop whether they would, he said, "Yep."
2: <laughs> well, that's not the only way we know. You know, um, Ina Fried, uh, from All Things Deep, broke the story. She she posted the first um, indication that Apple was going to do this. Uh, we at iMore got independent confirmation of it a few hours later. But uh, Jim was uncustomarily late with this particular announcement because he had taken his uh, son, Michael, to um, a uh, heavy metal um, concert festival in Montreal Uh, That weekend. So he didn't get back until late Sunday. And on Monday, he uh, he finally got around to yapping it and uh, the Internet's went wild. But um, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Jim's uh, Jim's yep is is as good as gold uh, when it comes to confirmation for these sort of things. It's worth pointing out that Apple is yet to announce any kind of media event in September. Typically, when they do these things, they don't really tell the press until about five to seven days uh, beforehand, you know, just in time for a press that needs to fly in from the other side of the country to miss any decent uh, rates on flights out there. But
0: Yes, yes. I always wondered about that. It was always a day or two too late to get the best price.
2: Right, exactly. So, uh, you know, it it makes knowing about these things in advance that much more important, I think, for uh, uh, some of the people in the Mac blogosphere. Um, anyway, uh, uh, you know, we, we are yet to, to get any kind of confirmation from Apple that that's actually going to happen. But it seems a foregone conclusion that it will because, like I said, you know, we, we've, we've heard this from different sources now and we've gotten Jim's confirmation. So um, uh, sometime around September 10th, uh, expect Apple to make an announcement. And uh, many of us uh, in the tech community are expecting that Apple is going to announce the iPhone 5S. Uh, and possibly even a lower-cost iPhone, the iPhone 5C.
0: Okay, let's talk about what to expect. The iPhone 5S, we presume when it has an S after it, it's just, at least externally, only a slight improvement. All the stuff happens beneath the case
2: you know i'm reluctant to say it's it's only going to be a slight improvement because the 4 to 4s was a significant difference and the uh, uh iphone 3g to 3gs was was a significant difference as well uh there are probably going to be very few cosmetic changes because um when apple does you know apple does uh what what is commonly referred to in tech parlance as a tick tock update for the iphone so one year they'll introduce a new iphone with a new form factor the next year they'll Modestly revise it, keep the same form factor, but change some of the internals. Uh, they've done this now through several product cycles, so it's it's a fairly predictable um, update. And that's because you know a lot of third party vendors create cases and uh, docks and all sorts of other devices that are designed to work with these uh, these iPhones, and Apple doesn't want to have to make them reinvent. Uh, the wheelage time, and Apple also doesn't want to have to retool its own supply chain um, every time it wants to update one of these devices as well. So it makes a lot of sense for Apple to do that TikTok sort of update. Well, we're in a talk cycle, so um, uh, uh, in all likelihood, the iPhone 5S will cosmetically look very similar, if not identical, um, to the iPhone 5, and uh, we'll we'll undoubtedly have some changes under the hood um, that will... um, Uh, provide um, some new features and functionality uh, for iPhone users. What that is, though, at this stage is anybody's guess.
0: But the first thing here, before we get to that, is the fact that some members of the media will look at iPhone 5S, assuming it will be something that looks pretty much like the previous version with some minor changes, but all the stuff will happen inside. And they'll say, why doesn't Apple re-engineer it every single year and as you say there are efficiencies in doing it this way one of course is tooling and engineering and the other is the consideration for those who develop accessories forcing them to have to redo the production lines every year this way it's alternate years
2: Absolutely. And also, it presents some predictability for consumers. You know, they, they may know that a new iPhone or they may suspect that a new iPhone is coming. Uh, but, um, you know, if, if Apple shocks them with a complete redesign every year, uh, it's going to put some customers off from, you know, getting a new model when they're eligible or uh, when they can afford to do it. So I think that this sort of cycle makes a lot of sense for a lot of different reasons.
0: Well, the key thing here, of course, is the fact that. This way, people normally would buy a phone with a two-year contract in many countries, and they would buy a new phone every two years. And this way, they have that predictability. The major physical upgrade is going to happen after two years, and they're not forced to considering this. Of course, now with the wireless providers providing these crazy plans like jump and and fish and catch or whatever they call them, where you pay extra per month and you can upgrade your phone every six months, every year, maybe people will expect that.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the, the every two year thing is something that um, isn't unique to the United States, but is pervasive in the United States and isn't pervasive elsewhere in the world a lot of people elsewhere in the world buy a phone and then just go with whatever um service provider uh offers them the, the best deal or the best coverage in their particular area so um uh, you know, these devices cost a lot of money. An iPhone 5, unsubsidized, will cost an American consumer $650. That's what mine cost when I got it in April. Um, I didn't want to pay a subsidy to AT&T, Verizon, or Sprint. I ended up getting a, uh, a, a chip from T-Mobile and going with a pay-as-you-go plan because I'm cheap. But um,
0: Okay, let me ask you again. Does this mean that you're cheap?
2: Yes, it does. It means that I'm cheap.
0: Or you're just trying to be responsible.
2: Well, a little of both. You know, I just I I, I canceled my plan with AT and T last year because I felt like I was giving them a lot of money for mediocre service, and I used a dumb phone for quite a long time for uh, I think the better part of about eight months, and uh, finally went to the iPhone five again when I had the opportunity, and and you know I don't regret canceling AT&T, and T-Mobile certainly doesn't offer me the same coverage that that AT&T did, but when I get into urban areas like um, Boston, which is the closest big city near me, or New York, or San Francisco, all places I've traveled to since I got my iPhone 5, I get incredible speed on their LTE network, much better than I would be getting if I had an AT&T phone, an AT&T iPhone 5. So I'm very happy with my decision to do that, but I am paying less than half what I was paying AT&T. So, So I am seeing a significant cost savings. And the reason for that is twofold. One is because T-Mobile, for me anyway, offers me a better value for the money. The other reason is because I'm no longer paying a subsidy to my cell service provider for the phone itself. And that is a big deal. And that's a big reason why um, a lot of people think that I, and we've seen a lot of spy shots that seem to support the idea that Apple is going to produce a lower cost iPhone 5 with a plastic back called the iPhone 5C.
0: Let's talk about the iPhone 5C, because this is fascinating. Now, one of the so-called industry analysts, I always say so-called because I wonder how they come to be able to call themselves that, and then I realize there's no state bar examination for an industry analyst. You just hang out the shingle, and if people will pay you for the service, you get it. So we have one person saying, okay, iPhone 5C, going to be cheaper. Apple won't have Siri, But Siri is so important to Apple's strategy. How could you provide a brand new phone without it? Yes, we know the iPhone 4 is that way, but the iPhone 4 goes back to 2010.
2: You know, I don't think that Apple is going to release an iPhone that offers a significantly compromised user experience compared to the 5. I'm sure that there are going to be some modest differences between the 5C and the 5S. They won't have as much memory storage because obviously flash, you know, NAND memory costs a lot of money. That's one of the most significant, significant, most um, expensive parts of the phone. Maybe the display won't be a retina display. Maybe it'll be a low resolution display that Apple can produce more inexpensive. Like I said, the case won't have the same engineering that the the regular iPhone 5 does. But if these things help Apple chop a significant portion of the cost off of the iPhone 5, I think it's a really big deal because it will open up a a, a new market of customers.
0: We have Peter Cohen joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg in the Tech Night How Live. (laughs)
5: There are those curious about Bitcoins and those using and making money with Bitcoins. What are Bitcoins? A Bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the Internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with Bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with Bitcoins, and a growing number of merchants now accept Bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com just like it sounds cloudhashing.com that's cloudhashing.com we mine your business
6: welcome back to the tech night out live where you never know what's going to happen next and now here's gene steinberg
0: We have Peter Cohen. He is from the loop at loopinsight.com and iMore.com, a new tech site you really got to check out. We were talking about the logical reasons why Apple would have a lower cost iPhone. And the other reason, of course, is because they are selling lots of iPhone 4s and iPhone 4s. So there is a big market there. Now, the iPhone 4 right now, if you buy it on lock, it's about $450, Right
2: yeah exactly but if you're buying an iPhone four unlocked, you're not really getting a terrific value. You're getting a device that that doesn't have Siri for example, and that uh, is is older tech. You can pick up a 4s as well unlocked, but you're going to pay a little bit more money for that. So if the iPhone five can sweep up that part of the market, Um, Apple is going to appeal to customers like myself who don't want to pay a subsidy to their cell service provider, and that not only includes a growing number of customers in the United States who are going with service plans through what are called MVNOs, or mobile virtual network operators, companies like Straight Talk Wireless, which sells the iPhone, or um, Virgin Mobile, for example, which is a a brand uh, that, that Sprint sells. Uh, in big box retailers, and uh, again, you know, you're you're buying an unsubsidized phone and you're getting very inexpensive uh, month-to-month plans with them, this is going to be a really big deal for Apple. The nice thing about an iPhone 5C compared to, let's say, a 4 or a 4S is that you're dealing with something that is the same form factor as the 5. So you're dealing with a larger screen. You're also dealing with something that uses a lightning connector. And Apple really wants to migrate people to that lightning connector as fast as possible because there are over half a a billion customers out there with iOS devices that use the old 30-pin dock connector. And, you know, it's going to be around for a long time, but Apple really wants to, I think, push people to to buy new lightning-equipped phones and uh, more lightning equipped accessories when they can get them
0: i think when it comes to retina display i think the price differential isn't that large anymore because the iphone 4 had it but i would think here would they make the iphone 5c have the same screen size as the iphone 5s the 4 inch or it will be three and a half inches maybe
2: No, I think the iPhone 5C will be the same size as the iPhone 5. At least all of the spy shots that we've seen leaked to websites indicate that it is going to be pretty much one-to-one correlation.
0: Okay, so Apple obviously is going to offer it cheaper, but will it be also $450 or, as some say, $350? Can Apple take advantage of economies of scale because they're buying current, updated... Lower cost parts and somehow manage that feat and make a good amount of return.
2: Well, that's the that's the fifty thousand dollar question. I, only
0: fifty thousand.
2: Well, you know, I'm going old old school game show. What can I tell you? That is the question, though, and 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 we don't have the answer to that today. What I can tell you is that no matter what Apple releases it for, there is going to be a large bevy of um, internet uh, bloggers and industry pundits who are going to say that it is is priced way too high and that Apple isn't going to sell very many at all. And then six months or a year down the road, we're going to find out that Apple has sold a hell of a lot more than anyone expected.
0: This will probably be, assuming it's what they claim it will be, the number one selling iPhone in the line. It'll outsell the higher end model.
2: You know, Gene, I think that you might be onto something. And if, if past is prologue, take a look at how well the iPod Mini did when it came out, and everybody said, "Oh no, the iPod Mini devalues the iPod brand." And not everyone, but. You know, some people said that. Or, or when the Mac Mini came out, you know, well, this isn't the solution that we're looking for. We're looking for Apple to release it, a 200 or or $300 Mini Tower box. Uh, it's never going to sell. The Mac Mini is, is a great selling machine. Hell, you can even go back to the 90s and take a look at what Apple did with the LC when it came out in 1990. LC stood for low cost. People looked at it and ridiculed it, said that's a ridiculous-looking box, nobody's going to buy it. And despite Apple having a lot of problems by the mid-'90s, they did sell a lot of LCs. So, you know, Apple has dabbled with low-cost systems before, um, and they've managed to produce systems that don't fundamentally alter. The iPad mini is another great example of that, that don't fundamentally alter the user experience um, that you get when you buy one of their products, but offer it at a different price point with some different features. You know, that that's, that's where I see Apple succeeding, um, if, if the, the 5C rumors are correct.
0: Well, as we say... That will, of course, end some of the arguments. But then they'll say, you know what, if Apple has a 350 or $400 iPhone, they should come out with a $200 model. But that's the old argument about Apple needs to go for market share, not profitability and value.
2: Well, exactly. And that really yeah.
0: worked for Dell.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's working for um, Amazon so far, but uh, we'll see for how long.
0: OK, so... It looks like things are pretty well set in stone unless some disaster happens. Let's move to something you've been writing about lately for iMore, and that is OS-10 Mavericks. Now, I'm going to give you kind of a surface picture here, and then we can delve beneath the surface. So when people look at this, they say, hey, here's the problem. It doesn't look that much different from Mountain Lion. What's better?
2: Well, there are some you know, modest um, user interface changes that Mavericks introduces, things like Tabbed finder windows, which is a really nice enhancement. You know, if you've used tabs in Safari or Chrome or any other web browser that you might use, Firefox, what have you, you know how uh, advantageous it is to have a single window with multiple tabs because you can switch back and forth between uh, tabs more easily. You can drag content from one window to the other, whatever you want to do. It's a nice way of organizing your your interface. Tabbed windows have been a possibility on the Mac for quite some time if you use a third-party application, but for the first time, uh, they're going to be built into the operating system. And that's, uh, that's a nice change. That means that you can once again drag uh, content from one window to another. You can keep uh, windows with different organization schemes. So you can look at icons in one window or lists in another uh, tab, rather, not window. So there, there are some nice enhancements there. And you get a Maps application, just like you do with iOS for the first time, which is really kind of nice. Um, you've got iBooks, which, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is long overdue on the desktop. Um, and uh, you know all of your iBooks um, that you've already purchased for your iPad or your iPhone or your iPod Touch are available for you now on the Mac. And notifications has been reworked as well. So um, instead of just seeing a notification pop up advising you that you've got a new mail or that you've seen something on Facebook or somebody tweeted you, you can actually respond. It's a two-way um, connection inside that notification window without breaking stride from whatever you're doing. Um, so that's a nice workflow enhancement. But as far as I'm concerned, The real big deal about Mavericks, the thing that that is going to make it a must-have for anybody who can get it, are all the -the under-the-hood changes that Apple is making. What Apple calls on its preview page, advanced technologies. Things like AppNap, for example, which enable the Mac to recognize when you've got one app behind another one in Windows and put that app to sleep so it's not wasting as much energy. Or a timer coalescing, which more efficiently uses the the cycles of the uh, central processing unit, the CPU inside of your Macintosh. um, So that idle time no longer sucks up as much power as you can do. A lot of the advanced technology that's in Mavericks is designed for two reasons. One is to increase power. Power efficiency. So if you're working on a laptop, as most Mac users are these days, um, you get better um, uh, battery performance. And the other thing is Uh, better CPU performance. So things like waking from sleep are snappier. Just using your Mac, um, you're getting a little bit more bang for the buck. There are also some features that are designed to make the web browsing experience a little bit better. There's a new sidebar in Safari, for example, that will keep track of anybody you're connected to through the social networks that are are available uh, using one-click sign-in on the Mac. Things like Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, so you can see the links that, you're, you, that your friends and your colleagues are sharing with you um, right Right from Safari. Um, Safari also has a power saver mode um, that will automatically stop any uh, Flash plugins from loading. So if there's Adobe Flash on the pages, there are on countless websites um, you know, for advertising or for interactive stuff, it will stop that stuff from loading until you give it express permission so it's not wasting... Um, power.
0: We'll go into more of the great advantages of OS 10 Mavericks, and there's a lot to cover. We have Peter Cohen. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
19: gold it's like nothing else on earth from the romans through the renaissance from the industrial age to the space age gold has weathered the test of time for 6,000 years gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth according to the world gold council in the u.s mint demand is at an all-time high the stage is being set for the re-emergence of gold as the common sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day midas resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need Need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237.
0: With Peter Cohen on the Tech Night High Live, we're covering OS 10 Mavericks 10.9, lots of under-the-hood changes to make battery life more efficient. And we have a feature that used to be in third-party utilities where if there is like a video with a Flash-enabled plug-in, I guess on a back window, not the frontmost window, you have to click on it to activate the Flash plug-in. Is that correct?
2: That's exactly right. Exactly. Um, And that should help, again, with power efficiency for laptop users. And like I said in our last segment, most Mac users are laptop users at this point. Laptops outsell um, desktop machines by a significant uh, percentage. So um, anything Apple can do to improve the power efficiency of the operating system is a big deal.
0: And it's a big deal also because if you look at the way operating system upgrades are done, a lot of it, you know, people complain because it seems to be like eye candy, but if you look at OS ten Mavericks, there's less eye candy. Skeuomorphism is pretty much history, but you add value. It's like Apple made a bullet list. What could we do? In keynote, of course, not in PowerPoint. And the bullet list said, what can we do to make the user experience more efficient? Make people more productive make the computers run more efficiently.
2: We're also seeing a really interesting trend in, in Mavericks that uh, we've noticed before, but I think it's a little bit more pronounced in Mavericks, and I'm not going to call it the iOSification of Mavericks because it's not that at all, but it is an intentional bl- blurring of the line between Mavericks and uh, and iOS 7 in particular. If you've got a device that uses iOS 7, whether it's an iPhone, iPod Touch, or iPad, um, you're going to see some distinct advantages here when you're using Mavericks as well. Uh, For example, there's iCloud Keychain, which is a, a password encryption and distribution system that uh, enables you to let Safari, both on the Mac and also on iOS devices, keep track of your passwords for you so you don't have to keep re-entering them and you don't have to remember them. Now, obviously, there are third-party solutions that have been doing this stuff for a while. Uh, one password comes to mind, Bit's excellent uh, password management application. But it's a third-party solution and it requires people to actually know about it in order to use it this stuff is getting built right into the operating system another great example of that is the way that apple is handling calendar in um in in os 10 any changes that you make to your calendar obviously and it's been this way for a while will carry over um, to ios as well but there's new functionality in there as well. There's, there's Facebook uh, connectivity. So uh, anybody who tries to make an appointment with you in Facebook, that's going to show up on your calendar. That's brand new. There's uh, a, a nice connectivity now between calendar and maps. Maps on OS 10 is actually a really big deal. This is the same application sort of interface and, and user experience that you're accustomed to uh, from iOS, iOS 6 onward. Um, so it's using that MAPS data, just and, and that MAPS data has improved a lot over the last year. This is um, one
0: thing that's not being mentioned because some members of the press are stuck in a reality loop. So, of course, you had problems with MAPS the first month, and that keeps getting better and better, and today it's a lot better.
2: Exactly. So one of the things that Calendar is doing that I think is really kind of cool is that Calendar, it works with maps to figure out how long it takes you to get from point A to point B, and it will automatically pad the time on Calendar. So you actually have travel time built into your itinerary now. So if if the maps application knows that it's going to take you 25 minutes to get from where you are to where you need to be, it's going to put 25 minutes on the calendar for travel time. This is going to be a great, great service to a lot of people uh, who just want to set meetings and forget about it and then may not remember that they've got to get to their meetings as well. So I think that's a really big deal.
0: Well, this is a point here of the functionality and also the smooth integration among iOS devices, assuming iCloud works properly, which sometimes isn't an assumption we can accept.
2: Correct. Correct iCloud is definitely a work in progress. It's something that uh, I think, you know, Apple's gotten the message loud and clear that uh, things like iCloud Sync don't work as well for third-party applications, especially as they as a lot of developers and users would like. But um, I'm not seeing a lot of changes under the hood that uh, show me that there are going to be big differences in Mavericks yet.
0: Well, the key being here, of course, that Mavericks itself seems to be a pretty promising release. It sounds like a lot of thought went into it. I, obviously, you're using a developer version. We don't want you to break NDAs, but what can you tell us about performance? Are you seeing a realistic indication of better performance, reduced system resource use, more battery life? Is that what you're observing? Can you even say it?
2: All of the above, actually. Yeah, I can confirm that everything that Apple's been promoting on its public-facing Mavericks pages does seem to bear um, some kind of reality, you know, for uh, using Mavericks right now. So, and this is with the developer preview release, um, you know. So, going forward, I expect nothing but improvements.
0: And I guess we're about what a month or two away from Mavericks release, which would be probably what late September, sometime in October, or do you think it'll be simultaneous with iOS 7?
2: I have no way of knowing. Um, Apple is given no indication of what Mavericks, or for that matter, iOS 7's release schedule is. There's been speculation that iOS 7 may be um, uh, gold master, as it's called, the last step before it actually gets released to the public as soon as mid-September, but um, that's pure speculation. No indication from Apple yet on when it's going to be um, released. What we do know is that Apple will pre-announce Mavericks release before it actually comes out. Apple will um, not want to give itself a lot of time, but it will give um, customers a heads up that um, that Mavericks is coming so they can be prepared, because Apple also does a what they call their up-to-date program, uh, which enables people who are buying new machines that day and onward um, to get a free copy of the new operating system when it's released.
0: Let me ask you a question here about Mavericks. Okay, it is assumed because Mountain Lion was 1999 that Mavericks would be 1999 is there any possibility Apple will say well let's just give it away
2: there's a possibility absolutely you know we can only we can only speculate based on what we know and the only thing that we know is um, what's happened before so on that measure uh you know, Apple had priced uh, Mountain Lion for 20 bucks. Let's assume that they're going to do the same for Mavericks. I I certainly don't see them charging more than $20 for Mavericks.
0: I'm kind of thinking Apple might go free. And the only reason is because of just something said in terms of when it's going to be available. They said it will be available for download this fall. They didn't say it will be available for sale this fall. Now, I might just be Taking words and finding meanings that do not exist because obviously, if it's for sale, it still has to be downloaded. I don't know. We'll ask Peter Cohen to respond to my craziness as he is wont to do in our next segment. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
3: you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Folks, you'll
0: want to hear this. No matter what size your business, people don't take you seriously unless you have a professional-looking website. You can empower your business with a stunning online presence, and it's free. Join over 30 million people who have built their websites with Wix. Once again, it's completely free. It requires absolutely no design or coding skills. Want to know more? Check out Wix.com. That's W-I-X dot
5: There are those curious about Bitcoins and those using and making money with Bitcoins. What are Bitcoins? A Bitcoin is the first decentralized currency that can be easily transferred from person to person over the Internet. No bank needed. This means lower fees and accounts can never be frozen, limited or closed. You are in control of your money. And the best part? You can start earning and making money with Bitcoins right away. No computer or expertise is required to earn money with Bitcoins, and a growing number of merchants now accept Bitcoins. Plus, they're easily exchanged for dollars, euros, and more. Learn more about the easiest, cheapest, most profitable way to enter the Bitcoin market and get paid every two weeks by one of the fastest-growing Bitcoin miners in the world at cloudhashing.com just like it sounds cloudhashing.com that's cloudhashing.com we mind your business
20: amino acids are the building blocks of proteins amino acids have to be delivered to your body in the shape that nature gave them if they are to be used to create new proteins in your body just like a bricklayer cannot use bent or twisted bricks to build a brick wall so too your body cannot use bent or twisted amino acids to build new proteins Giving your body an undamaged amino acid food can make a huge difference in your health. One World Way is an undamaged amino acid food unlike any other. You see, heating bends and twists amino acids and all whey protein powders we've investigated and most proteins you consume are heated. With our True Cool process, you now have a choice with One World Whey.
13: My name is Daniel. I'm 34 years old. When I started using One World Whey, I weighed 228 pounds. Now,
11: after two and a half months, I weigh 182 pounds. This is my ideal weight. I've noticed an increase in stamina, rate of recovery from workouts, and an increase in my potency. Call
20: 888 988 Three three two five, or visit oneworldway dot com. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl
11: live with Gene Steinberg.
0: You never know what's going to happen next. So maybe I'm parsing words here, Peter Cohen, of I and the Loop at loopinsight.com. dot com. And that is suggesting that based on what Apple said, they will make it available for download. You don't have to pay for it when it comes out.
2: Yeah. You know, anything is possible. Um, You know, Apple, uh, for example, uh, makes iOS um, updates free um, and has for a while now. They used to charge for them and now they don't. They charged
0: for them only for the iPod Touch.
2: Correct. They charged them only for the iPod Touch and now not even that. Um, so it's 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 reasonable to speculate that Apple may do that. Um, I, I haven't gotten any independent confirmation that they would, so I'm kind of scratching my head at this point.
0: Well, you've been helping us scratch heads for a long time. <laughs> now, looking over Mavericks, before we go on to other subjects, a couple of more before we let you go, is there anything about it that surprised you? Huh.
2: Well... Yeah, actually, um, one thing that did surprise me a little bit anyway um, is, uh, um, yeah, one thing that really did surprise me is the way that multiple displays work on Mavericks. It's not something that we've talked about yet, but multiple displays are getting an overhaul in Mavericks, which um, enable you to do some really cool things. Now, you know, Gene, you and I have been Mac users since uh, the dinosaurs roamed the Earth. And- actually, before. Right. And um, all right. So since uh, the uh, trilobites ruled the earth and um, you remember that that Apple uh, has long, long. And I mean, we're talking the classic Mac OS days supported um, multi uh, uh, monitor support uh, straight from the start. So if you had a Mac with a video card in it. Whether it was a Mac 2 or even like an SE30 with an external display, you could run your internal display and you could run an external display. Or you could hook in multiple um, new bus cards in your old style Macintosh and you could have multiple displays on that as well. That was a, a, fun, a feature that, that was, wasn't even dreamed of um, on PC computers at the time. They had one display and by God, they were happy with that. Uh, You know, now we kind of take it for granted that people, especially power users, especially laptop users, uh, when they're working from their desktop may have an external display attached. But you know, we backpedaled a little bit when Lion came out. When Mac OS uh, 10 version 10.7 came out, uh, they introduced something called uh, full screen mode for applications that kind of screwed us up a, a little bit with, uh, uh, with, with multiple display support because um, full screen would take over uh, the entire screen of one machine and then would make the other machine just show a gray kind of fabric-y looking background. It wasn't very elegant at all. Now that's fixed. But multiple displays takes it a step further. If you're using an Apple TV in your house, as I do in mine, um, you've long been able to, well, ever since uh, Mountain Lion came out anyway, you've been able to mirror your display. If you're running a recent vintage Macintosh, you've been able to mirror your display on your Apple TV. Uh, This comes in handy, for example, if you're uh, doing presentations and you're in front of a crowd, uh, they've got a TV or a projector that's got an Apple TV hooked up to it. It's a great way of getting that screen up there. Um, And it's useful in other ways, too. Like, um, you know, I may be showing my kids how to do something um, on their computers, and it's easy for me to to show it on the Apple TV um, uh, using mirror displays. But now, with Mavericks, you can use the Apple TV as a completely separate display. So you can have your internal display on your laptop. You can even have an external display connected to it through the Thunderbolt port or the mini display port, whatever. But you can also have the Apple TV operating as a third display. So that's really kind of cool. That's, a, that's a, a neat little Easter egg that you've got in uh, in Mavericks that I really appreciate.
0: Mavericks, OS X Mavericks coming this fall. Have you had a chance to play with iOS 7 yet?
2: I am not an iOS 7 developer, so no, I haven't had a chance to play with it.
0: Let's just talk about it in general then. And this gets back to the way the media treats Apple and the fact that it seems to be, how do we reduce this to single-sentence sound bites? So we look at iOS 7, and visually there are a lot of changes. So they comment whether or not they like the theme, but they speak very seldom of the new features.
2: Yeah, you know, it's kind of the opposite problem that uh, that, that Mavericks has, right? Mavericks is all about... Uh, new functionality, but very little about the interface, it seems that everything that you see written about uh, iOS 7 has something to do with the radically new interface and very little to do with actually what's going on under the hood. And there is a lot of stuff going on under the hood.
0: Okay, so based on what you've read, what's going on there under the hood that we really need to know
2: about? Well, I think that um, some of the most important things have to do with the way that... Uh, um, that uh, um, OS7 um is is handling stuff like uh, uh 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 multitasking for example um you know you've been able to run uh, uh multiple applications on on your iOS devices but uh and you know iOS 7 has in fairness had pretty good multitasking you know from from the very first time i ever saw an iphone which would have been when steve jobs demonstrated it way back in january of 2007 uh you know you could uh uh, take a phone call you could grab a picture you could email it you could do all this stuff um uh but iOS 7 is actually taking it a step further because it is enabling full multitasking to occur. So applications can execute background processes without really hammering battery life. Um, And this is a problem right now in the way that iOS 6 works on devices. You will uh, drain your batteries if your your applications are doing any kind of background processing. Um, iOS 7 learns... And, and this is this is how Apple describes it, and I think that this is a pretty good explanation. It learns uh, when you like to use your apps and can update your content before you launch them. Uh, this is something also that they've carried over to. Um, Uh, uh, To to Mavericks as well. So when you flip open your Mac, even if it's been asleep, you're going to see that Mavericks may have updated applications that need to be updated, uh, stuff that you've bought in the Mac App Store. Uh, It works the same way in iOS 7. Uh, iOS 7 is is updating content for those apps as well. So uh, you don't have to wait for your phone to kind of wake up uh, sync and do all this other stuff uh, before you've got new content. You can just basically flip it open, turn it on and uh, um, start working right away. And, and you're, you're, you're synced uh, and you're up to date.
0: You know, when we look at what's going on with iOS 7 and with OS ten Mavericks, and we go on to Windows 8, which will be 8.1 by this fall. And you have to wonder when Microsoft sat down there, and set its developers to develop a new operating system. Where on the bullet point, PowerPoint bullet point list, did they say anything about making it easier for the customer to use the operating system and improving productivity? It wasn't on there, was it?
2: No, it really wasn't. And it should have been, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, and, and the the, this, the sales numbers for Microsoft kind of speak to themselves. $900 million write-down for the Surface tablet. Nice job, Microsoft.
0: Oh, yes. And this is after, what was it? Steve Ballmer went interviewed last year about the Surface tablet. He was asked, first of all, well, you're competing with your OEMs. And he says, no, this is going to be a design point. I'm not going to imitate Steve Ballmer. Our friend Brian Chaffin of the Mac Observer does that. Have you heard his
2: imitation of Steve Ballmer? It's dead on.
0: Oh, I mean, you know, it's like being taken into another reality point. Speaking of design point, when I listen to him, I think I'm talking to the real guy. He's got the cadence down. He's got the inflections right. And he has the obfuscation right. (laughs) <laughs> that's and that's true. pretty hard to do because you've got to be really, really dishonest or maybe just deluded to be able to do anything like that. But, of right. course, we're talking here about Microsoft and what they were thinking when they developed Windows 8. Why didn't they think about the end user? What about it? We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have Peter Cohen of iMore and The Loop. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. <laughs>
3: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN.
7: Great talk radio starts here. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space.
5: Can you
12: pluck a chicken in about 90 seconds? You can with Power Plucker. Ah! Plucking by hand is a chore, but the Power Plucker makes it fast and easy. Simply chuck Power Plucker into your power drill and watch those feathers fly off. Ah! Save time and money with our complete home processing kits, too. For free USA shipping and 10% discount, go to PowerPlucker.com and enter promo code RADIO. PowerPlucker.com, the only drill-powered poultry plucker. The Obama administration is targeting people just like you. The IRS, FBI, and NSA are scrambling to collect every bit of information about you. Find out how to protect yourself from government spies at PrivacyRadio.com. But hurry, they do not want you to know about this. It's the story of an American patriot and his struggle against big government. Don't wait. This video could mysteriously go down at any time. Go to PrivacyRadio.com before it's too late. That's PrivacyRadio.com.
17: Or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com.
20: Hi, everyone. I'm Pharmacist Ben, nutritional pharmacist and host of The Bright Side, the good news about nutrition and health. The good news that if you or someone you care about is on a prescription drug or has some kind of health challenge, there's a gentle, natural, healthy way to address most health issues without drugs and without doctors, and it's as simple as understanding how the parts of the body work and how they interact with the foods we eat and the nutrients we take in. If you've heard me on The Bright Side or at one of my presentations, you know I'm a man on a mission, a mission to help you understand health and wellness and the remarkable healing powers of the biological system called the human body and if you like the bright side you're going to love my new website brightsideben.com you'll find articles and links you'll be able to access archives and we'll even have exclusive information that you won't hear on the radio show and of course you can purchase the longevity nutritional supplements and even sign up to join my longevity team and make an impact make a difference and maybe make some money too check out brightsideben.com that's brightsideben.com or call 866-735-2470 for more information
11: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know. ( όgeben)
0: On iMore and The Loop, we have people like Peter Cohen regaling us with great information. So we were talking about. Windows 8 and what Microsoft was thinking. And only recently did Bomber admit, hey, we didn't sell a lot of Surface tablets, did we?
2: Well, yeah, it wasn't so much Balmer admitting it as Microsoft did, telling the feds that they were writing $900 million in inventory down, which tells you that the thing was a stinking dud. What's more, Windows 8 is being on the desktop is being pretty uh, tepidly received as well. It's not selling up to what uh, vendors' expectations were. So uh, Microsoft has, has a real PR problem on its hands, and I think that PR problem is sitting at the president's t- desk.
0: So the next thing you do here is what we need to do is get rid of the CEO at Microsoft. But then it's not just a CEO. It's got to be the other people.
2: Microsoft's entire upper management structure, its entire management structure needs a massive enema. You know, the, the, the company... Uh, has been competing with itself for years, and from what I've read anyway, from people who are much more learned on the subject than I, it appears that Balmer is singularly responsible for creating this particular uh, quagmire. So, uh, you know, clearly the problem starts with him, but I don't think it, it stops with him by any stretch of the imagination. And, you know, it's a shame because Windows 8 and Windows uh, Surface products aside, the user interface that it's based off of, the Metro UI that they originally developed for Windows Phone, actually works very well on a phone. But I think that you and I have talked about this before, Gene, Microsoft seems to have decided to promulgate it across their entire product line without really thinking about its implementation and without really asking themselves the fundamental question, is this a good thing for all of our users? You know, iOS 7 and OS 10 don't look exactly alike, and I don't think they ever will, because Apple understands something that Microsoft doesn't. People use different products for different reasons. They don't have to look alike in order to provide a great user experience. You know, by doing that, Microsoft put the Metro UI under a microscope, under a spotlight, and said, this is the most important thing that you've got to know about how the product works. That is so antithetical to Apple's whole design principles. When you hear Johnny Ive talk about it uh, in the little think pieces that Apple puts on its website and, you know, plays at its keynotes, it's so clear that Apple's philosophy towards this is completely different. The idea is to make the hardware just transparent and to make it as easy as possible for users to get the information that they want and to get the experience uh, that they need out of their product. It's a very different philosophy than Microsoft, and uh, the results are obvious. Well, of course,
0: because what this means is that people who use the iPhone and Macs and the iPad, the usability... Studies show that customer satisfaction is off the scale. What kind of satisfaction ratings does Microsoft get? I mean they use focus groups. How can they not see this?
2: Well, that may be part of the problem actually. Apple doesn't use focus groups.
0: Well, you know, you do have to use focus groups for some things.
2: You I do don't have know, to do a customer
0: to- you have to do customer surveys for some things.
2: Well, not according to um uh, to Steve Jobs but you know obviously Steve's in the ground now but yeah i guess that's true i mean you know i i'm regularly hit up uh, with uh survey questions every time i go to the apple store so you got a point
0: right so they are surveying customers but not deciding on the basis of a customer survey what products to produce
2: Correct. Uh, you know, there's a big difference between surveying the results, a customer satisfaction survey after uh, having a computer serviced at the Apple store, for example, and doing focus groups trying to decide how to develop a product. I think that that's really antithetical to the way that Apple works. They're not going to do that.
0: Of course, Steve Jobs said that once, where we produce products that people didn't think they'd need until we give it to them and then they love it.
2: Right. Didn't know that they would need exactly right. You know, I think that uh, that there's a lot of truth to that. And I mean, that's certainly been my experience over the years. That's why, you know, I you hear rumors about products like the Apple iWatch and stuff like that. And I scratch my head going, you know what? I I, I would never wear an Apple iWatch, but I bet if Apple came out with one in a year, maybe a year and a half, I'd probably be pretty tempted to get one, because Apple does have this tendency to produce products that you don't know that you need until it's there.
0: And the key is here, they'll find out what the value of an iWatch is, what need has to be filled. And that's the thing. It's not just, we'll produce a watch and it will integrate with your smartphone or all that nonsense. That's what Samsung's doing without success. That's what Sony has done for several years without success. Apple's going to look at what solutions can we find in this product? What can we deliver to customers they're not getting now or they're getting now an inferior experience? And we have to look at where the iPhone took us this year. Smartphones have finally outsold feature phones. And that has to be very much because of the iPhone, because the iPhone, before it arrived, the principal smartphone was the BlackBerry. For business professionals, for so-called yuppies, for government people, that kind of thing. Then the iPhone came out and everybody imitates the iPhone. For better or worse, we'll forget the lawsuits and everything else. But all right, they do that. And suddenly smartphone sales soar because all the smartphones, most of them that are out now, are in the iPhone image one way or another.
2: Yeah, I, I guess you could, uh, you, could, you could argue that. I mean, the, the, the fact is, though, the percentages don't bear out what you're talking about. Uh, and Samsung, obviously, is, is one of the iPhone imitators that you're talking about. But they're, they have 30% market share worldwide. Um, by comparison, Apple only has about 19% market share, a little less than that, actually.
0: I'm saying so, the total share of smartphones compared to feature phones.
2: Oh yeah, well that's incontrovertible. That's 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 the report that Gardner came out with last week, um, and that's
0: so, one of the industry analysts who tends to get things right.
2: Right, absolutely. So, but but let's accept um, on on face value that Android phones outmass Apple phones by a great deal. Uh, Android uh, has about seventy nine percent mobile uh, 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 market share worldwide. So um, you know, they, there's no question that uh, there are a lot of Android phones out there, but it's it's the the, it's the, uh, the death of a thousand cuts because you've got Samsung, you've got LG, you've got Lenovo, you've got ZTE. You've got a lot of big global players who are pushing a lot of devices out that have the Android operating system on them. But when you actually compare units sold, Apple is in a pretty solid number two position. So Apple is selling a lot of iPhones.
0: That and, brings the, us- and in the U.S., they sell more. Their market share is much higher here. And maybe that's one of the things that Apple sees in producing a lower-cost iPhone. They'll get a bigger piece of that pie for the people who can't afford the full-size iPhone, the full-featured high-end iPhone.
2: Right, exactly. You know, absolutely. And I think that, uh, as it's been explained a couple of times, I think that, uh, you know, the question isn't what the first billion um Smartphone customers are going to use. Those people have largely been spoken uh, spoken for at this point. We've seen what direction that they're heading in. Uh, the question is, what the next billion are going to do, and that I think is the is the the uh, the market that Apple is starting to to try to appeal to, and we'll see how successful they are.
0: And we have to assume that people, even in developing countries, they're aspirational. They want to improve their lives, and they can stick together and put together enough money to buy the fancier gadget. They will if they could.
2: Absolutely. You know, I don't necessarily see iPhones being used by everybody on the planet. um, And I don't think that that's Apple's end game here either. I mean, Apple's very content to sell to a a small, profitable, and loyal customer base. But, you know, even if if a modest percentage of those people do pick up iPhones, um, it will mean a lot of revenue for Apple.
0: All right. We'll have so much more to say about that. Peter Cohen. Tell us where we can find more of the stuff that you do.
2: You can find me on iMore at iMore.com, on The Loop at LoopInsight.com, and on Twitter at Flargh, F-L-A-R-G-H, and also App.net and just about anywhere else.
0: Hey, that's great. You can find us on Twitter. We're known as Al. We are Al at Twitter. Or you can listen to our other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we'll be talking to filmmaker, documentary filmmaker, James Fox. A lot of stuff going on there, Paracast.com. Here on the Tech Night Out Live, Peter Cohen, thanks for joining us on the show.
2: Always a pleasure, Gene. Thanks for talking.